0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Futures Focus, a Prospects 1500 podcast. We've got episode 16 here for you today. Uh, Don't have Scotty Ballgame with me again. Scott is super busy with his Scotty Ballgame breaks, uh, putting up new content virtually daily over at Prospects1500.com. I'm going to try and get Scott on to do a baseball card specific episode here soon with some of our contributors and fellow collectors and things like that. So, uh, have no fear. Scott will be back soon. He's just uh, got a whole lot of other stuff uh, in, in motion right now. So, you know, folks, I hope you're doing well out there. Hope you're staying safe and healthy. I know uh, in, in the baseball world, it's crazy times. We're running around in circles, it feels like. But, you know, just like last time on episode 15 of Futures Focus, We said we were going to focus on the future. We were going to look ahead to the draft. We are going to talk about positive things that were going on uh, and and try and and shine some light on on the game that we all love, despite what's going on at the top level. So we had James Weiser on last episode to talk, uh, do a little preview of the 2020 MLB draft. And so we decided we were going to bring James back again today to do a quick recap of the 2020 MLB draft. So uh, James Weiser, at jweiser88 on Twitter, is our MLB draft expert over at it. um he did an outstanding job last episode giving us some players to look out for things like that so james we're really happy to have you back on man we appreciate you doing this uh just in general how you doing buddy with uh with no baseball
1: going on um just like everybody else you know uh they one of the things was that they said at the draft which we'll see we'll see what comes of it but they said that they will have baseball this year so looking forward to that at some point
0: yeah yeah absolutely so you are our draft expert. We're going to recap the draft real quick, and I'm excited about the way we're doing it. We're going to—so James has agreed to let me throw some rapid-fire first-round questions at him that I just really had to get out there. And then we're going to recap by division, which is going to be something a little bit unique, and we're going to take a look at how each one of those squads in those divisions did and kind of and kind of recap their draft there. So we won't waste any more time. Uh, i got to get right into it, and I'm sure you know the question that's coming off the top rope, James— Torque, obviously, 1-1. One, one. And then Heston Kerstad goes 2. Was that a surprise at all? I, I know he wasn't up there in your uh,
1: in your mock. Um, to me, I think it surprised a lot of people. Not so much the talent and not so much what Baltimore did. We heard going in that there was a you know, talk of Baltimore trying to sign the guy under slot. And I really felt throughout the whole draft process that Heston Kerstad kept being overlooked. He had the resume, you know, having the help lead Arkansas to two straight college World Series appearances, maybe a third had they have played this year. Um, he just, was the guy who caught my attention from, you know, the instant I saw him uh, as a freshman playing there at Arkansas two years ago, and he just continued to improve his on his numbers, which already were good back then. So not really a surprise. I think he's honestly probably one of the safer picks in this draft.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and I don't want, uh, you know,
0: I know folks aren't dying to go back and, and see the uh, draft preview stuff right now, but I encourage folks to go look at James' top 160 before the draft uh, over at Prospects1500.com. He crushed that thing. Probably one of the best in the industry, too. Alright, uh, I want to move on to pitchers. Your favorite pitcher in the draft, Asa Lacy, doesn't he's not the first pitcher off the board. Max Meyer jumps up there. Uh, thoughts on that? Uh,
1: you know, I was really surprised with the Marlins pick because not only was Asa Lacy still out there, Austin Martin was out there, and Mm-hmm. Seeing that both Lode and Martin teamed up a year ago to help, you know, lead Vanderbilt to the College Bowl Series, you'd think maybe they want to pair these two up again. So I think that that pick of Max Meyer really surprised people and probably was, you know, just uh, something that they focus on, right? Because of Marlins, they went after pitching heavy this draft. It was all pitchers.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. Jump into our, I think, everybody's favorite high school player going into it. Zach Veen goes down to nine. I wanted you to give me your thoughts there. And first, do you have any concerns with him landing in Colorado? They don't exactly have the best uh, track record for treating their prospects very well and giving them opportunity.
1: I think that it's a good fit, you know, with his power potential and the fact that he's been comp to guys like Cody Bellinger and Christian Nell. It's just the fact that you could put a talent like that potentially at Coors Field in a few years is is very exciting. Um, I think he fell mainly because he had a higher asking price of what people might originally have thought he's going for he went uh he's asking maybe six million dollars a little bit more than you know what slots were at that point, but I think the talent is definitely top five talent, and he just fell probably because of the asking price.
0: Gotcha. That makes me feel a little bit better if you're excited to see him coming to Colorado. you know hopefully he uh hopefully they give him the shot when his time comes. All right, I've got two more rapid-fire first round for you. You know I'm going to ask about the Red Sox pick. Is it York or Yorkie? York. Okay, Nick York at 17 to the Red Sox. Uh, Obviously, that was probably, uh, I think, even the guys I was watching the ESPN broadcast, I think even they were taken, taken back by that a little bit. But my question is, of course, you can tell us about York, but did the Red Sox redeem themselves with the rest of the draft, or is this one still a question mark?
1: I think it's still a question mark, but I did like them picking up Blaze Jordan. You know, and on my mock, I had him as a first rounder. I just felt the talent was definitely a consider of the first round. He, You know, people might look at him and look at him a little bit more under a microscope, but you got to realize he's a year younger than the guys who are, you know, seniors this year who got drafted out of high school. So he was actually a junior, would have been this year, who was able to reclassify and get drafted. So I think that he was put maybe a little bit more under a microscope than people would like to expect. But I think his talent, definitely, He's he impressed me with the bat when I saw him play at Under Armour. And he's a really good player. So I think that if Blaze Jordan's the best pick for them, and Nick York is a good, solid you know player for them, which I trust Boston with their ability to develop hitters. They've done a great job consistently.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I know uh, Scott will be encouraged to hear that for sure. And then, you know, I got to throw my Braves question out there. So, Braves go Jared Schuster at 25. Broke my heart they didn't go Cole Wilcox, but, you know, there's much, much smarter people than me making those decisions. So, all I can do is trust the front office up there. Um, If you can give us a little insight on Jared Schuster and kind of why the Braves went with him, I think uh, he was 77 on some boards that I saw. Uh, That'd be great. And then I'm sure we're going to talk about Wilcox later in the episode, but if you want to – kind of speculate on uh Wilcox and, and him falling to where he did. That'd be that'd be good too.
1: Sure. Um let's start with Schuster and the Braves. So I think with what the Braves uh plan was, they've gone in the last last year they went heavy college with their first two picks. They go to college heavy college again. I think Schuster's just a guy where they felt maybe they wanted a lefty and he was a guy who they felt that they could sign, you know, under slot possibly. And he's just a guy with good command, and he doesn't have the best secondary pitches to put guys away, but really good fastball command and showed a lot of that. It was actually fun to watch him pitch. His last start was against Bobby Miller, so it's cool to see those two first-rounders go at it. And then as far as Wilcox, I I think Wilcox right now is at a spot where he can either up his draft uh, leverage by going back next year and proving he's a legit first-round talent, possible get top 10 money. Or he could sign with the Padres and be a really good value pick with a team that already has good young rotation, you know, good pieces in there with Patino and Mackenzie Gore.
0: Yeah, yeah. If Wilcox went back to Georgia, I mean, he'd be the guy this year. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out. All right, I appreciate uh, that rapid-fire first-round recap there. Um, let's move into our division breakdown. So just kind of recap by division. Um, You know, you don't necessarily need to stick grades on these drafts or anything like that. But if you want to, you know, tell us who won the division, if you will, things like that, that'd be great. And and we'll start with uh, we'll start with uh, let's go AL East. How about you break down the AL East draft for us?
1: Okay, so the American League East, the top guy, the top well, the top two college players were taken. It was Martin and Kerstad, you know, with to Toronto, went to Baltimore. Those guys are two really uh Guys who are going to be focused on throughout their development, um, who I thought maybe had a really good draft was Tampa Bay. I like them Adam Mvitzko. Alika Williams is a good pick. They add Ian Seymour, who's a good college starter, and Hunter Barnhart. So they added a lot, lot of uh, arms that are good arms that you trust in, as well as a good, solid defensive shortstop in Alika Williams. So I thought that Tampa Bay. Had the best draft. I really like Baltimore's too. They were able to, you know, save some money early rounds and parlay that into getting, uh, guys like Kobe Mayo in the fourth round, Carter Baumer in the fifth.
0: Nice. And so the only, I think the only group we didn't touch on, uh, really was the blue Jays. You got any thoughts on the blue Jays draft?
1: Yeah, I think that awesome Martin was a great value pick to them there and we'll see how it gets sorted out. He, um, they had mentioned before on some of the MLB Network draft coverage that maybe Austin Martin's going to play second base, or again he could play center field where it was where it was playing this year. So he's definitely a good bat, good value there with defensive versatility. So a very good value pick. So we'll stay in
0: the AL. We'll just move uh, across the country here. Well, let's go AL Central. Personally, I love the Royals draft, but hey, this is your show. You're the expert. I'm turning it over to you.
1: Yeah, I, I'm with you. I love Kansas City. In fact, this division, the AL Central, I thought had, had the best collection of draft talent um, by who they got. You know, Tigers had a good draft in Torkelson, and they just had that, the fact that Paige Workman was able to follow them in the fourth round. And they drafted Cole Keith in the fifth. If he can sign him, that's a really good, great value pick there. Um, so I think Detroit did well. Kansas City, again, Asa Lacey. Uh, Nick Lofton, who's de- definitely versatile, can play multiple positions. is a safe college bat. Um, then you look at it, and they also added a good work guy who's a really good hard worker, who I was a little bit lower on, but ended up being a really good pick for him, was Ben Hernandez, I felt. With the collection of talent they have there with the arms that they're developing, that's going to be a really good fit. And I also like Tyler Gentry, who they got. Because Gentry, he was a guy who was a Juco player a year ago who came into – Alabama and led them in batting average and was really a good hitter for them. So I like that. Looking at Minnesota, I like the bats that they added. It was Sabato and Alex Ulari. Then the White Sox, they were able to add Crochet, Jared Kelly. So, you know, really a good depth. And plus Cleveland, you know, Cleveland from top to bottom, really good draft. I like some of their later high school picks like uh, P.D. Halpin and Mylon Tolentino. So I think that division definitely... You know, they did a great job of bringing in a good talent. Can't forget Carson Tucker and uh, Tanner Burns. This is, again, the Indians did a great job. The Royals did a great job. This whole division did a great job of bringing in talent. You know, another name, Dylan Dingler was there in the second round for Detroit. Yeah. A lot of people had going in the first. So they did a great job of bringing in talent.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome breakdown there. If I was going to force your hand and ask you who, quote, unquote, won the draft from the AL Central, give me one team.
1: Ooh, that's tough. I, I, like I say, I, I like uh, Kansas City for their depth, but the White Sox, the fact that you were able to add two guys who most people, most of the evaluators uh, felt that they were top 20 talent. The fact that you're able to add that, those two, both Crochet and Jared Kelly, I, I think the White Sox did really good with their top two picks. But if you want to look at depth, I love what Kansas City did. I love what Cleveland did. Detroit, if they can sign their guys, did a good job. This division by far is did an excellent job of hauling and talent.
0: Nice. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a crochet guy myself.
1: Alright, let's uh, go west. A.L. West. So with the A.L. West, you have, you know, two of the best college pitchers in this year's draft in both Emerson Hancock going to Seattle and Reed Detmers going to the Angels. I really like them getting uh, the Angels getting David Calabrese there in the third round. The guy who I mentioned in the last podcast who, you know, I just really like what he does. He's able to run, hit from the left side, hit for a little bit of power. And he's one of the younger guys in this class. So it was really good. I think the A's got really good value in Tyler Soderstrom, who was there for them at the 26th pick, where people were thinking, hey, maybe he's going to go in the early teens." So really good value there. Um, The Rangers, I don't know if they had the best draft because it's more like, you know, looking at them, who's a true star to come through? I'm not sure. I think Justin Foskey was a good pick, safe pick. Kind of like uh, Evan Carter's swing, would love to see more of it in live game action. All you could see was on YouTube is just him doing BP, and BP versus live pitching is definitely a different difference maker. And the Astros, they got Alex Santos, which I think he was a good value for them there.
0: Good. Well, I'm glad the Astros pulled something out of there. Um, <laughs> let's stay out west, James. Let's, uh, let's go NL west.
1: The National League West, I, I absolutely loved uh, what the Rockies do with their first two picks. Uh, getting Zach Veen, uh, one of the best high school talents out there, was going to probably love hitting the course field in a few years. Um, and they were able to add in Drew Romo, who I thought was the best defensive catcher in this year's draft. And they, they were kind of thin at catcher. So they be able to bring in his a talent like Drew Romo and Zach Veen on day one was great. Uh, I think the Dodgers had an unbelievable draft. You know, to bring in Bobby Miller, then to get a smart pick and Landon Knack, who saves you a little bit of money because he's a fifth-year senior, who should be an easier sign. And you also were able with that money to sign to get Clayton Beater with the third pick. You know, I th- I think that was great. Jake Vogel fourth round, good. So I I, I really love the Dodgers draft. Um, going to San Diego. You know, Robert Hassel is there. He's the top high school player on the board that was taken. And they have – they added Justin Lang, who, again, they've done a good job of developing pitching early on. Lots of the hype there. They get a third-round pick in uh, Cole Wilcox, who, if he signs, that's great value, tremendous value there. Um, looking at the Diamondbacks, I like what they did because they were able to add in two college arms who – have kept getting bit better over the last, you know, from this year to last year, they just improved a lot. There's a lot of potential there because they keep getting better. Uh, the oh yeah, the Rockies also like you know some of their even their day two they were able to add Chris McMahon, which was really good value, and Sam Weatherly's a pretty good pitcher for the third round. So they did a good, they had a really good draft.
0: Yeah. And so Bryce Jarvis, who went to the uh, Diamondbacks uh, out of Duke, he was mocked down uh, to the mid-20s sometimes, and then his stock was kind of going up. So, yeah, I'm with you. I thought that that was a nice pick there. I did, before we started recording, I wanted to ask you about the Rockies because uh, Zach Veen and Drew Romo were both two guys that we talked about in our draft preview podcast, and you were high on those guys. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, I was excited to see that pairing. Uh, there, uh, quick question, and it's relevant because the you know these are both NL uh, West teams. Were you surprised to see Hassel go over Veen as the first uh, high school player
1: there? Um, Hass- Hassel built up one of the best resumes over the last year. I mean, he was fantastic with Team USA, hitting over five hundred at the PDP League. He was named the top prospect, you know, by Major Leagues All Stars, you know, and Hall of Famers who were out there coaching these guys for few weeks so i think Hassel was probably one of the safer guys there Mm -hmm. and it was probably just a comfort fit feel for them and they didn't want to go have to pay zach veen over slot so i think that that's really what it was is more is a guy hey we like we compare him similarly to vane but we're going to sit on him for a little bit less and we really trust you know the guys who he's been around he's done everything he could during the last year to prove himself
0: gotcha yeah so Sounds like you know both two very talented players, and and that's what I love is that this is this isn't like the NFL draft or the uh, NBA draft. You know, there's a, I don't know if strategy is the right word, but uh, the thought process is a little, definitely a little bit deeper than uh, than those drafts. There. All right, let's move on to the NL Central.
1: Yes, National League Central. I I like what they did too. They they also I think for National League had the best collection of talent coming through there with. Uh, you know, to me, Nick Gonzalez falling to the Pirates, I think was unexpected. I think a lot of people would have thought he would have gone sooner. So I think that, you know, for his ability to hit, it's good. I don't know how he's going to play in that ballpark, but I know he's a good talent, and that was a really good value in the seventh pick. Um, I like Austin Hendrick going to the Reds. His power should play really well there. Ed Howard to the Cubs. Absolutely, you know, congrats to Ed. Being picked, you know, where where I believe he should have been if not sooner. But that's really good value for the Cubs there, and he's a guy who's just going to keep getting better, and keeps has got one of the best work ethics. So I'm really happy to see him go to the Chicago team, so I can watch him develop there. Um, I think Garrett Mitchell to Milwaukee was surprised a lot of people. Uh, just his talent, his tools alone, which probably warrant him going earlier. But the fact that he was going to Milwaukee is cool because you can see him hit it at a at a hitter's ballpark, and watch those tools on display, you know, on a more regular basis once he gets there. The Cardinals, I, I really liked what they did, and add Jordan Walker, Mason Wynn, and Mark Hentz, who was a guy who I mentioned before, where I really like him as a underrated player. So it was nice to see him go in the second round. I think that's where he was deserving of going. Um, also, there, this is a lot of good college players that. Went Carmen Majinski to the Pirates with their second pick. Burrell Carraway to the Cubs, who should be a guy who should be able to move quickly. Nick Garcia to the Pirates is a guy with upside. Xavier Warren, I really liked him. Um, I think he's got a really good feel for hitting. And he's multi position Like, you don't see most guys who play catcher and shortstop. He was able to do that and do it at a really high level throughout his collegiate career and even in the Cape Cod League. So I think for him in the third round has good value like Jordan and Wogu, he was a big part of Michigan going to the College World Series last year. It kind of felt like they got derailed once once he went down with that injury in game two. That it, it was just a different feeling in the ballpark after that. So I think that there's a lot of good value. Christian Rowa to the Reds, Freddie Zamora to the Brewers. A lot a lot of lot of talent there You know, before the draft
0: there was some rumors circulating of some teams potentially punting the draft, and I don't know uh, how, much, uh, how many facts were tied to that or, or how much stock to put into that, and I could be completely off base, but I thought that I saw the Cardinals looped in to that discussion for punting the draft before, um, before we got things rolling, and after looking at this, I can guarantee you the Cardinals did not punt the draft, so I was happy, I was happy with what they did, absolutely. All right, um, let's uh, bounce over to our last division, the National League East.
1: Yeah, the National League East, the, it starts with Mick Abel, right, with the Phillies. Uh, I think that he was a really good value there. And, you know, and they were also able to add Casey Martin with their second pick, where I know people were like, oh, you're surprised that he fell. I think that there were teams that were turned off by a swing and miss, but there's a lot of talent there where, hey, you know, the Phillies is a good ballpark to hit in. So I think that that was really good. The The Mets had a really good draft the top three picks all have a chance to be stars. Pete Crow Armstrong, JT Ginn, who would have been probably gone earlier had he been healthy this year. That's almost a guarantee he would have gone earlier. Uh, Isaiah Green's good value there in the third, second and third round. And then I I love what the Marlins did with their picks. Even though they didn't take a hitter, they got as much pitching as as they could and high quality pitching too. You know, Mad Max Meyer, with Dax Fulton, who, to me, if he's healthy, he goes a lot earlier. Uh, Kyle Nicholas, upside. Zach McCamley, good value. You know, this, they, they did, did a really good job drafting. The uh, Braves kind of took it more, you know, like I said, they focus on college. It's something that they did a year ago and continue to do now. The Nationals, they took Kate Cavalli and Cole Henry to college arms, which, With a lot of upside because Cole Henry was a draft eligible sophomore, was a Friday guy at LSU, very good talent.
0: James, when are we going to start seeing some of these guys sign?
1: To me, I'm not sure, but I would probably say start next week. You could probably start seeing some names that are going to sign. You know, I think that right now things are, just it's it's. A lot's being up in the air with baseball at the moment, you know, as far as are we going to play this year or aren't we? But I think teams definitely want to get these guys signed as quickly as they can so they can kind of start saying, hey, we're going to, you know, send you to this class once we actually do start playing baseball again and especially minor league baseball. So I think they want to sign these guys so they know where they're going. Sure. Yeah.
0: Um, Are there any – I know we didn't really necessarily discuss before we got on the pod about undrafted guys – but I'm just curious to know if there's maybe one guy that stands out to you that didn't get drafted um, that's in a position to sign or somebody you had ranked high, you know, somebody that uh, you were surprised didn't get drafted um, and might fall into one of these undrafted uh, signings.
1: Yeah, so looking at guys who didn't sign, you know, this this draft, in fact, the list, uh, it, about a third of it is guys who didn't get drafted doesn't mean that their talent isn't worthy of being drafted in the top 160 names. It just was odd that some of the guys didn't go this year. You know, you have, like, look uh, if we want to shift this focus to college now, um, you know, the top college guy who came back is Seth Lonsway, And if you look at Florida, who was the number one ranked team before this season uh, ended abruptly, they, they didn't lose Tommy Mace. They didn't lose Jack Leftwich. They added Timmy Manning because he didn't get drafted, and they added Kobe Halter to, an already t- to a team that was ranked number one before the season ended. So they didn't lose anything. If anything, they got better by re- bringing the talent back. So those are some surprises to me. As far as high school players, um, you know, to me, the number one guy, on, I think all the boards that still didn't get drafted was Carson Montgomery. He's going to Florida State. Miami did a great job. You know, they lost some guys in Chris McMahon, Slade Chicone, and Freddie Zamora. But they brought back, because they didn't get drafted, Victor Medeiros, who was the Under Armour MVP, uh, Alejandro Rosario, and Johanny Morales, who was a shortstop from the Miami area. So they are bringing these guys into college. So they kind of replaced what they had, you know, that what they lost in this year's draft. They are Chance to replace it, so that's that's what stood out to me is that there's a lot of good high school talent that didn't get drafted this year that's going to college that's got a chance to prove themselves and make some money down the road.
0: Awesome. Well, James, I think we did it again, man. I think we did. Uh, you gave us some great insight to some of these players, and now that we know where they might be uh, on the move to and what uniform we might see them in in a few years, and you know, I think some uh, given everything that's going on in the baseball world right now, maybe this will give some folks some excitement. Um, I do have one more thing I want to ask you about. It's not draft-related. Before I move on to that, do you have any uh, last final thoughts on the draft before we put it in the rearview mirror and get these guys in some kind of training camp?
1: I, I think it's going to be exciting to see where, to see how much these guys develop and, and what their careers are down the road. This is an incredibly talented draft class, You know, where I think it's got a chance to be one of the best over, over time. So wishing all these guys that I had a chance to interview this past year the best, you know, there's so many talent. There's so much talent. It was, it was a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to watching them play as a pros.
0: So, listeners to the podcast, readers of the site, James Weiser never takes a break. He's already going to be on the move, doing some research for the next draft. Heck, he's been re- he's researching drafts five years from now. I know that for a fact. So, James is coming down to my neck of the woods. I'm right on the Georgia-Alabama line. He's coming down to Birmingham. Uh, James, tell us what you're going to be doing down in Birmingham.
1: So this year I'm going to be down at the Perfect Game National Showcase, seeing the top guys for 2021. Which is to me, it will be exciting to just see how ready some of these guys are to go. With you know everything's going on in the world with coronavirus and everything, but I think it's going to be incredible to see all this talent. There's going to be a, it's going to be a lot of fun to see all the different people who are out there. You know whether it's scouts or front office as well as these talented young players. Um, I got a chance to actually watch these guys play a year ago with Team USA, so I'm just looking forward to seeing, watching these guys play again, see how much better they got from a year ago. So I think it's just going to be a fun experience.
0: Yeah, getting to see some live baseball, man, it's going to be awesome. James, safe travels down to Alabama, buddy. I appreciate you being back on the podcast with us, breaking down some of these drafts. I thought it was unique the way we went through the process. Going through division by division, um, James. One last thing: plug your social media for us. Anything else you might be working on?
1: Um, just just if you follow me on it's jweiser88 at on Twitter, I will be up. I will be getting video live while I'm out there. So if you want, if you're interested to see who's coming with the 2021 class, be sure to check that out. I'll be posting stuff throughout the week.
0: James Weiser, our MLB draft expert over at Prospects1500.com. Appreciate you joining us, James. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be back on the other side of the break to put a bow on episode 16 of Futures Focus, a Prospects 1500 podcast. Jake Berry back with you to wrap up episode 16 of Futures Focus. Thank you again to James for putting a bow on our 2020 draft coverage and he's already gearing up for 2021. I also want to take an opportunity to plug some of the recent work over at Prospects1500.com. There's an interview up with Rockies pitching prospect Ryan Rollison that I think you all will enjoy, and then also a Tigers piece that focuses on that stacked pitching depth that they have up there too. Uh, Many of you, like me out there, uh, enjoy playing fantasy baseball. That's probably why the majority of you all are here. Uh, I still have some drafts in the works and some new leagues and things like that. And I think uh, you know some leagues are popping up out of boredom at this point. But um, a lot of new folks have found themselves in the baseball card collecting hobby. Whether that's because fantasy baseball is not around or anything like that, or maybe people are just more invested into it now that there's not live sports, things like that. You guys find me on Twitter at Barrys underscore baseball. I see a lot of new folks coming into the hobby. Uh, folks being more active in the hobby, and and I want to engage with you guys and, and get to know who you collect and and what players you're looking for and, and try and connect to, uh, you know, make some trades down the road and continue to grow the hobby. I know if Scott were on the episode with me, he'd say the same thing uh, at Scotty Ballgame. You guys, if you're listening to this podcast, you guys know exactly who Scott is, and you've seen his breaks and things like that. So, you know, that's that's a really long-winded spiel of me to say. Uh, if you're missing that gap with fantasy sports, and you're trying to connect with some folks, and you're interested in baseball cards, for me, it's not just baseball; it's basketball as well. Um, you know, reach out. If I don't follow you on Twitter already, reach out to me. Let me know, and uh, and let's talk about the hobby a little bit. So I think that'll wrap things up for episode 16. I appreciate you all checking back in. We'll have Scott back on next time. I know you all miss his voice and. And I miss talking ball with him too. So, you know, until then, we'll see you guys on episode 17. Remember, stay focused on the future.